You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. Summer is my favourite season. It's a time when everything feels a bit more relaxed, the days are longer, the neighbours are coming out of their houses, we're chatting over the fence, they're swimming, ice blocks and of course the end of year holidays. But summer also comes with its own set of health issues. There may be less flu... But there are more mosquitoes, less colds, but perhaps more sunburn. With this in mind, we've put together a Kids Health Summer Series with Sarah Hunstead from CPR Kids. Today, we're talking about things that bite and sting. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm very well. We always talk about the fun stuff, don't we? We do. All the time. (laughs) We're going to start with the bane of my existence this morning, and that is mosquitoes. Because last summer, so my son is now three and a half, and last summer, when he was quite small, He got so many mosquito bites on his legs, but they weren't the problem. The problem was I could not stop him scratching them. And he scratched them until they bled, and then that became a habit. So I ended up bandaging his legs just so that he wouldn't scratch them. And for some reason where we lived, there was just always a swarm of mosquitoes out the front of our house. And he did he's just got delicious blood. Yes. What can I say? So... What can we do about mosquito bites? So when I was writing my latest book, I did a lot of research into bites and stings and looking at all of the evidence out there. And one thing that I do know when it comes to mosquitoes is that it is it can be tricky to prevent being bitten by them, especially in summer where we want to be in our little shorty pyjamas or a nightie and you don't want to wear long sleeves and you don't want to wear long pants. But sometimes that's the best way. So if you are living up north where you're in an area where, you know, there may be Ross River fever, there may be, you know, you may be even in going overseas where there's dengue, you need to be thinking about mosquito protection. So it's the long sleeves, it's the long pants, it's wearing the light colours, it's those sorts of things because apparently mosquitoes are attracted to dark colours. Oh, I was just about to ask that. Yeah, so that's now, I don't know. Um, Can they get through cotton and... Now, when it comes to the mozzies, generally if they're landing above, you know, on your clothes, hopefully they're not getting through to your skin, which is a good thing. Um, but the other thing is too, now, I read a lot of articles about this and my conclusion was that it may well help. And that was that if you have a fan going in the room, then what it does is it can confuse the mosquitoes because it scatters your scent. Now, a lot of papers will say that the um, that the fan will actually blow the mosquitoes out, but apparently mosquitoes are fine to fly in the wind. They don't mind that. <laughs> so what it's about is they have more difficulty finding you because it is scattering your scent. So. And the sound of the fan blocks out that annoying That's a really good point that I never never thought of. Yeah, (laughs) that's always, I'd rather be eaten than hear that sound at night. Yes. Okay. So um, that's about covering up. What about, what did you find about um, the repellents that you can put on your skin or? So if you're going to an area where there is dengue or other mosquito-borne viruses are prevalent, then you know what? Using a good mosquito repellent uh, that may or may not contain, well, that will contain DEET is important. But I get really worried about putting DEET products on my kids. I really do. I would avoid it, you know, as much as I could. However, 
A really good resource is that if you go to the Royal Children's Hospital Melbourne website and if you just type in their search panel, um, uh, DEET, then what happens is that they've got this fantastic resource that tells you how much DEET is in certain products and what you'll need to put on your child. So it's a really good way of feeling a little bit more safer if you have to do that. There are loads of natural products out there from citronella to tea tree to all different sorts of things. I may have spent a small fortune (laughs) in testing out a whole lot of different ones of these. But what I found worked best for my kids and living in a place that does have a lot of mosquitoes as well is that we use little wristbands. So we've got one on their wrist and one on their ankle and you slide in these little um, waxy squares that have a natural mosquito repellent and that seemed to work quite well for us. Oh, brilliant. Because I have seen kids walking around the beach with like five on each ankle. I was like, geez, do you need that many? I mean, they're pretty stinky, some of them. Wow. Yeah, I know. It doesn't work. All right. So that's mosquitoes. Um, can we treat those sorts of bites once they've, you know, because kids can sometimes come up in huge welts when they've had a mosquito bite. They certainly can. So if there is a significant amount of swelling, then it may be a trip off to the pharmacy or the GP um, for antihistamine if needed. But otherwise, what works really nicely sometimes is a face washer with a nice block in it. So so putting that nice cold on top will help, really help with that, those itchy signals going to the brain. What so about it's a nice chamomile way to soothe. calamine lotion? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If you find that calamine lotion works well, then by all means use it. So certainly what it does is it goes over the top. It, can, it actually dries on there. But if it's still really irritating, then they can sometimes scratch through that. So it's, I would experiment. <laughs> Go chat to your pharmacist. Try a few different creams. Uh, certainly on one of my daughters, pawpaw cream worked an absolute treat. But I know when I was a kid, I used to get covered in the calamine. So figure out what works best for you. But try and avoid the really harsh ones that may have uh, certainly an um, anaesthetic in them on the young ones because that can be quite irritating to their skin. And it can hurt them as well if they've scratched as much as my son scratches. Absolutely. All right. So that's mosquitoes we've dealt with, done and dusted. Um, something that's sort of in the same area as this is sand flies at the beach because they can hurt. Yeah, they're horrible little things. Um, I certainly, I, my daughter was bitten by a March fly. Could have been a sand fly. It was just a big fly that bit her when she was about eight, eight months old. And she was screaming. And still, at seven now, she is terrified of big flies. And I'm sure that came from her experience when she was little. <laughs> I'm absolutely positive it did. Um, they hurt. They absolutely hurt. And so once again, it's about looking at them. It's about getting that ice block on there or that cool pack and certainly not ice directly onto the skin, but getting that cool pack on there to help with the pain. And also, if they're scratching at it, one of the important things, whether it be a mosquito, a sandfly, a marchfly, whatever it is, is that we're watching for infection. So if they end up with a fever, if there's a great amount of swelling, if it's pussy, then all of it's hot to touch and red surrounding it, then we need to go to the doctor. I haven't had a lot of experience with wasps, but, you know, we are out more in summer. I don't even know if there are more of them around in summer. But wasps and bees, how do you treat that kind of 
So the good thing is, even though they can be ridiculously painful, normally they can just be managed at home. So a wasp sting or a bee sting, the problem is is that it can just be so painful. What you need to do for a bee sting is you need to remove the sting quickly. Now, it used to be that they would always tell you to scrape a bee sting to the side, that we'd use a credit card or your nail or something like that to try and scrape it out. But what we know now is it's not so much about the way that you take it out, it's the speed that you do it with. We just want to remove it as quickly as possible. So if that means getting your fingers and pulling it out, then that's what you do. So ASCIA, the Australian Society of Clinical Immunology and Allergy, what they recommend is removing the sting as quickly as possible. So we remove the sting, once again, cold pack, cold face washer, something like that over the top will help. If you need to, some paracetamol, absolutely. And then a cream or lotion of your choice over the top. and Maybe a lollipop. Absolutely. <laughs> and another important thing to do is actually wash it with warm soapy water as well. That's an important thing because we want to clean the area too. The only thing that we need to really think about and be hypervigilant about is that if your child has anaphylaxis, because if they're allergic to bee stings or wasp stings, we know that the most important thing that we can do is follow their action plan. And if they are having anaphylaxis, we need to give them their EpiPen. See, that freaks me out because how do you know if you haven't had, if the child hasn't been stung before? That's why knowing CPR is the most important thing you can do because if they were to collapse, then what you need to do is go through doctors A, B, C, D, and that's what helps save lives. Okay. And wasps and bee stings, I've always thought wasps were more dangerous or more painful than bee stings. Do we have any sense of whether that's true? So it depends on the creature. So once again, bees lose their sting. You know, when they sting you, it basically rips their guts out. And when they do that, and they die. Whereas a wasp can actually sting you repeatedly. Oh my goodness. Now, it depends on the species. There is this amazing entomologist who has made it his life's work to actually quantify the pain of certain stings of different creatures. So he talks about everything from the bumblebee to the European wasp to a paper wasp and so on, and he actually ranks them. And he described one bite of a certain bull ant that it was like pushing a red-hot drill bit through an infected toenail. I, I have been bitten by a bull ant, and I think he's, he's right they are incredibly painful. They are. And you feel like such a wuss for going, you know, bending over in pain. All-consuming pain. It's awful. Yes, absolutely. How do you treat a bull ant sting? So, once again... Um, Actually, do they die? Because my fear with a bull ant is that they'll sting you and then they'll wriggle around somewhere else and sting you again. I think many of them get stamped on. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, it is ridiculously painful. Mm. It is so painful. Once again, washing the area, getting that cold pack on top, some pain relief, and if you are having an allergic reaction, and interestingly enough, there is a type of ant called a jack jumper ant here in Australia, and one of its defence mechanisms is it's got this highly irritating venom, and so many Australians are actually allergic to the jack jumper ant. So once again, yes, it's incredibly painful. Yes, we need to deal with the pain. But what's more important is if somebody has an allergic or an anaphylactic reaction that we're getting onto doctors A, B, C, D and getting an EpiPen out if they've got one. 
You're listening to Kindling Conversation. We're speaking about things that bite and sting as part of our Kids Health Summer Series with Sarah Hunstead from CPR Kids. Talking about all the fun things. Just don't want to go outside after I talk to you. (laughs) Sorry, Sarah, but it's true. Okay, let's get on to my next favourite subject, which is spiders. So... I know our kids learn so much from us and my daughter, bless her soul, has learnt to be afraid of spiders thanks to mummy. So it doesn't matter to me. I mean, I'm okay with daddy long legs, but that's about it. It could be half the size of my fingernail and I will still get my husband to come and get rid of it because, of course, I don't want to kill it because that'll mean I'll come back as a spider. That's Apparently. Logical. Yeah, yeah, that's logical, right? <laughs> anyway, for some reason, I feel bad about killing them, but any size, because the thing is in Australia, it could be a teeny tiny spider, but it could still be dangerous. Am I right? So luckily enough, there aren't too many that will really do us a whole lot of damage, which is a good thing. Okay. So it's a good start. Yeah. Uh, certainly funnel webs or funnel web like spiders. So they're, they're not good. They'll kill you. Right. Yeah. Hold on. You just said <laughs> you started out by making me feel okay and now you've well, put me back in the place of fear. Yeah, well, you know, but, you know, the thing is we've got antivenoms. We've got all that kind of stuff and funnel webs do not necessarily want to snack on you, which is a good thing. A lot of people say that funnel webs will chase you and they'll hunt you down and they'll live <laughs> in your pool. They'll surround themselves with an air bubble and they're just waiting for you to come along. And <laughs> But actually, they're, they're, they're just as afraid of us is what we are of them. The males apparently can get uh, a little bit aggressive while they're searching for a female, but the urban myths that you hear of a funnel web chasing along a you know great big human trying to hunt them down, they're fast moving. They absolutely are, but they are afraid of us. And so they're going to be fast moving away. Hopefully. Yes. Hopefully not into right. our cupboards. No, that's exactly right. And so when it comes to the funnel webs, what we need to do if we are in a funnel web area and our child is bitten by something, if we suspect it is a funnel web bite, and so certainly this is a funnel web spider, a mouse spider, they all kind of look the same. They're big and ugly as far as... Well, sorry, there are probably spider lovers out there who are going to write emails <laughs> to us now going, you are so awful to spiders. But, you know, oh, well. Well, I'll, I'll cop that one. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. So... A pressure immobilisation bandage is what you need. So what we need is that bandage that is nice and firm. So like what you'd strap an ankle with, it's a heavyweight bandage. We're going to bandage that from the tip of the limb, wherever it is that we're bitten on, whether it be a leg or an arm. We're going to overlap that halfway and wind that up to the top of the limb. We're going to keep them nice and still. We're going to get help and we are going to, most importantly, be ready to start doctors ABCD if we need to. Right. Okay. What about... um this isn't one that you might associate with summer, but we are out more and, and kids love dogs. What do you do if your kid's bitten by a dog? Like, is that an um, immediate tetanus check? So, it, yes, if a child's bitten by a dog, absolutely. If a dog's, bit, if a dog's bitten by a human. What I meant to say then was that if a child is bitten by another human as well, then absolutely we need to be seeking medical help if it's broken the skin. Because let's face it, dog mouths, our mouths, they're all manky. 
Like they're just, they're really monkey. And the wounds can definitely get infected. So that's why we need to make sure we're up to date with our immunizations and we may need a course of antibiotics afterwards as well. But one of the important things is, is that we're always supervising our kids when it comes to animals. We need to teach our children how to interact with dogs and cats and other animals because this is certainly in my experience. I have seen many, many, many dog bites on kids and it's often been where the child has not intentionally provoked the dog but they've gotten in their face, they've pulled their tail, they've done something. It might be a big squishy cuddle that the child is full of love But when you're a small dog and this human thing is suffocating you, you know, because that's your perception of it, of course, you're going to go and try and defend yourself. So one of the most important things is prevention and teaching our kids how to safely interact with animals. Do you always have to go to the doctor if they've had a dog bite? Um, Because often what can happen is that they're puncture wounds and it can be really hard to tell how deep the puncture wound is. So we need to wash it. If it's just a superficial scratch, that's fine, not a problem. Get some antiseptic cream on there after you've given it a good clean. Watch it, look for signs of an infection. But if it is that puncture wound, it can be really hard to tell how deep it is and that needs a doctor to look at it. Well, I think I've gone through all my um, delightful stings and bites I wanted to talk about. Thank you so much for your time, Sarah. Thank you for having me. That was Sarah Hunstead from CPR Kids. This has been part of our Kids Health Summer Series. So if you'd like to hear more from that, head to our website, kindling.com.au. Click on Kindling Conversation. You'll find a whole section there about kids' health. You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible, and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.